0: Hey, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. Today we have episode 75, Why Operations Matters, What Most Business Owners Are Missing with Natalie Gingrich. So I met Natalie a few months ago and she's actually responsible for us finally finding our own director of operations at I Heart My Life. We've also hired one of her other incredible certified partners within her company. And truly, she is churning out amazing operations experts if you are looking for someone in your own company. But we'll get to that in just a second. What Natalie talks about on today's episode is really, really powerful information for those of us who are visionaries, those of us who always want to go to the next level. We're always in creation mode, we always have the next bright idea and the rest of our company has to try and just keep up. We don't put processes in place. We don't look at the metrics. We don't look at the numbers. We're just so focused on the vision and we can't wait to make it happen. So if that sounds like you, you're gonna wanna listen to this episode. Natalie talks all about why operations are so important. And even more important to me, she talks about her own journey to creating this incredible business, how she followed her heart every step of the way and she stood out stood up and got brave when it came to what she knew she was capable of. So get ready to be inspired. Let's dive in. Welcome, Natalie. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Thank you so much, Emily. It's just a pleasure to be here. I listen to your podcast all the time. So it's always nice to be on this side of the mic.
0: Totally. So we are uh, a kind of new friends, but I feel like I've spoken to you so much over the past few months. So we're going to get into that in just a second. But I realized I don't actually know much about your background story. And so I wondered if you could dive into a little bit about how you came to do this work and the progression from where you were to where you are today. I know that's a loaded question, but our listeners always love to hear how people have gotten to this place.
1: Yes, absolutely. I love sharing the story because it's unconventional, just like many of your guests and many of the people that you work with. But I actually went to college for, um, and I studied nursing. And so went through, got a nursing degree, went on to get a, furthered my education in a specific type of nursing, which was in cardiac care. And as I was getting that, my master's degree, I was kind of thinking, oh, goodness, like, I love the caretaking part. I loved the science part. But I could really see myself in more of the healthcare administration area. And so I also got a business degree as well, because, you know, who doesn't need just multiple degrees. (laughs) (laughs) So I went down, you know, just a, a long path of educating and very much so over educating myself. And when I, you know, I exited there, I went into obviously, I went into practicing nursing for a while all the while not being completely satiated and excited about what I was doing. So I went into um, some of the more more of the management side, we had a my husband found a job in Texas, we moved back to Texas, which is where I'm originally from. And the Medicare roles were, were completely different from Colorado, which is where we were moving from. And so I had learned all of these skills in nursing being the best, you know, all like everything. I had everything I needed. And then I was set up against this massive challenge, which was I was going to be earning fourteen to nineteen dollars an hour to do the same job that I had accrued a hundred and eighty thousand dollars in debt for. So just doing the math just put us at a real obviously at a real Um, negative disadvantage. And so I just started really racking my brain and how I was going to make this work. And did a lot. That's this this is kind of where I started my my mindset work was just, you know, how can I be so educated and have such a burning passion to help people? And, you know, turn out to make 28 to $32,000 a year, like this is not going to work, (laughs) regardless of it's in the south or in the north in the US, right. So I um looked around at the corporate jobs here in um, San Antonio, which is where we live. And I was fortunate enough to have a huge fortune 500 company, actually fortune 150 company, and an opportunity to come into their organization in the human resources area. And so this opened up a whole dynamic that I never knew I was ready for. And I never knew I was made for. So, um, the operations, the world of operations really began, of course, Emily, I wasn't calling it operations at this point, because I had no idea what I was, you know, the path that was going to be ahead of me, but I was really successful in human resources space, came in, worked in about seven different avenues of human resources, both from recruiting, talent management, benefits, um, lots of the development, the learning and development side, and loved it. When I look back, I can see that the, the exact parts of me that loved nursing were the analytical side, figuring things out, really looking at how the pieces connect were the exact same things that were firing me up in the HR side. And so it's a wild ride. I never expected to be in this scenario. But because of my success in the HR and getting into leadership and executive leadership in this fortune 150, I was then moved over to project management, which was 100% in my skill set. But again, not anything I had ever expected. And um, I ended up leaving that company after 15 years and serving as the as the chief of staff for the CEO. And so I had an amazing opportunity to really be able to meld what, you know, my God given talents and gifts and be able to make a career and transition multiple times through a career to get to where I am today. So I left this Fortune 150 and went out to do something. Actually I started following you right after I left corporate. I don't know if you even know that, but wow. after- yeah, back in the Periscope days. <laughs> so I I, yes, I left corporate America and quickly realized that my passion was in the mentoring and the development space, which is, you know, looking back, the breadcrumbs were totally there. I have been doing this forever and um, got a life coaching um, certification and did that for about Three weeks and was like, oh my goodness, coaching is not for me. I'm way too solution oriented, and started to just default into what I was really naturally good at. So I wasn't doing this for pay and for compensation at that time. I was doing it for the group of friends that I had made online and helping them in their businesses. And it wasn't until they had came back and affirmed to me, hey, this is what you should really be doing, that it opened my eyes. And that's when I really started to transition and to replicate what I was doing in corporate for that CEO, and create it for the small business and specifically the online small business space, which has led me to the Ops Authority. So I now have a business called the Ops Authority. I've been here for four years, um, working on my own and um, owning this brand and helping equip small business owners to transform their business through operations, which can seem really dry. But I think you and I will probably deep dive into how it's really essential for a scaling business.
0: Totally. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I just want to go a little bit deeper into parts of your story to really figure out how this came to be, because I think people are going to be super interested. So when you made the transition to Texas and you realized, okay, it's not going to work for me as a nurse, this is not going to be the, the, the best path. How was it that that opportunity in corporate even came to be? I know you had a business degree, but how did you even get the opportunity?
1: So I was really soul searching and trying to connect where I like what the certifications, the degrees, all the experience that I had had up until that point. And really, I started doing a lot of visioning, like, where did I want my life to be? And I saw myself as a corporate executive. And so I knew I had to take the chance, the risk and apply to these jobs, I knew I was going to have a million no's before I would have a yes. But I really didn't have a lot of time. We were young, we needed income. And I, I really couldn't see that I would be fulfilled on a you know twenty eight to thirty two thousand dollars income, and so I just I really just tackled it. I applied and applied and applied. Of course, I applied all over the area, um, and then I like humanly I had those moments when I was like maybe I should just settle for this, you know. And so I think that's when the mindset stuff really started to be very important to me, because I knew I wasn't going to have the life of my dreams if I settled for a $28,000 per year, albeit totally life giving, but and using my skills, but I knew I could see more for myself. And so I just put myself out there, I I continuously applied. And what I was selling to them, which is what I pull out of people today, was the, the soft skills that I have, the innate skills that are given to me even outside of I tied them to what I was doing in nursing. And trust me, the corporate corporate America does not care about what I was doing in my nursing, you know, in my nursing job role degrees, right? They wanted to see how those skill sets could apply to them. And so it was a lot of selling it was it was 100% selling. Actually, it was really, how can I use my experiences to benefit them, which is the, the thesis of what we do today, which is selling our services. And so bravery, getting out there courageous and telling a, a true story that is not a sales pitch. It's I mean, I guess it is a sales pitch, but it's all true. And so just getting I think once you attach yourself to an outcome, and to a vision for what I want for myself, it was much easier to sell that to them. And obviously, I, it fell upon ears that were that were open to taking a risk on somebody who didn't come from the experience that they were necessarily looking for.
0: And have you always been that confident?
1: You know, I grew up in I was a professional ballerina. And so I think that having the, you know, the presence, the presentation, the poise, the The discipline, I think that led to a lot of confidence, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to fill this (laughs) with the idea that I've always been confident. I still battle with that today, right? It's not until I feel like I'm truly in my zone that I feel confident, but even in that zone, I have, you know, doubts and fears, of course I'm, I'm human but I do my best to just remember the vision. I do a lot of work on visioning, not only for myself and my business, but my family, everything. Like, where is my end state? What do I want the legacy to be? And that drives a lot of that, you know, the confidence it takes to to take the risk, to to be bold, to be different.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And when it comes to your visioning process, can you break that down a little bit for the listeners?
1: Yeah, so I spend a lot of time really looking forward. And this is a I believe it's a learned process. I don't believe that we're born to see ourselves outside of the present state. And so we have to take dedicated time, we have to remove ourselves from the from the emotions and the reality of what we're feeling today. And it usually takes me personally getting into a either a meditative state or a really private state. Where, so it can't be, it, for me, it's never in my home, it's never in my bedroom, it's never, it's, it's, it can be on vacation, it can be just outside of where my natural habitat is. And I have to really, really work to see myself one year three year and five years, I will tell you, In all the work that I've done, I see that females have a really hard time looking at 10 years, whereas just looking gender specific males have an easier time looking at a 10 year horizon. And I've had to challenge myself to move from one year up to that five year mark. And I would, you know, for those of you guys that are listening right now, you have to start this process. It's not innate in us but start to look at the one year for yourself. Like, where can you see yourself in, you know, first quarter of 2021? What does that look like for you? How, what are you feeling? And I go through a bunch of questions that, you know, I don't have a list for them, but it's like, how do I want to feel? How do I want to look? How do I want to show up? What, where is my business? Where's my family? Where, you know, are, am I anchored in the values that I have set for myself? And so, um, That's, that's how I get there. And then it's my job. I know that, you know, that the gap is only going to close with action. And I know you and I align on this, but I'm all about action. And so I can set the vision. But if I never take the steps it takes to get to that vision, then I'm living a complacent life. And that's not how we're going to, to live bold, confident and courageous lives.
0: Totally. And don't you, in your own experience, see that when you create that vision, that really inspires the action. And even when we feel that lack of confidence or that fear, that insecurity, when we focus on the vision and what we want and what we can see for ourselves, it really helps us move past any of those roadblocks.
1: Yeah, I feel like it gives me like an armor, right? When I want to shake my head, no, 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 there's no way I can do this. That's too big of you, Natalie. You're too, you know, that's too much. When I see that vision, I know that I have cultivated the vision. Nobody has imposed it on me. It's something that I've done a lot of work for. And I know that I'm the only one that's going to make that happen for myself. And so, yeah, it gives me an armor. It really gives me the 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 ability to say yes when in my,
0: my heart and my head really want to shake its head no. Totally. And so back when you made the transition from um, nursing into the corporate space, I'm curious to know what your family, friends, and even your husband thought about that decision.
1: I don't, you know, no one really, at this point, we were really young, Emily, like we were, we were young, we needed income. And at that point, I think, everyone could see me as a leader. I think that that's just a skill set that I've always possessed. And so, you know, walking into corporate didn't really shock anybody. I think that some people were sad that I was leaving the nursing space because I was really good at what I do. Like I connect to people very, very deeply and very quickly. And so, you know, I think some of my, my family were like, Oh, no, like, you know, that that other side of the world is going to miss out on you and what is really special about you. And so, you know, they may have been sad, but everyone was mostly supportive. And we were in a place where we needed revenue, like we needed income. So they were, you know, they were really supportive.
0: And then what about when you left corporate and went into entrepreneurship?
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's a little bit of a difference there. At this point, we were more, you know, financially, we're a little bit more stable. And we had, I think my husband, actually, I'll just Kind of telling him a little bit. He is much, he is very, very risk averse. And so he was just like, oh goodness, like, Natalie, don't put us in harm's way. Um, I know you hear this a lot in your own coaching, but he was just like, you know, make sure that you've got a, you know, basically move very, very slowly so that we are protected and we always have kind of this nest egg. Do whatever it takes to keep us safe. And he was always supportive. I don't believe he really thought that I could make this work. But um, overall, like no one's really pushed back on what it was because I've always, I, I mean, I would never put my family in harm's way. But I also know that if I don't take the, the risk myself, my husband's not going to move us forward in that space. So he's, he's always going to be the more calm, steady rule follower, if you will um he's going to have a corporate job forever. He's so brilliant. I'm always trying to encourage him to to move over into the entrepreneurial <laughs> space, but it's exactly. just not I, him. And yeah. I was raised with entrepreneurs and so I think that's also a big difference. I was, you know, I saw I I saw a woman in the 80s, you know, grow a multimillion dollar business when no other females were leading big companies. And so I think just having that model to me was a big difference from someone, my, my spouse, you know, my husband who grew up in a, a, in a, in a home that was, you know, single income, but his mother was taking care of them. So it's just, it's, it's one of those stories that we've always told ourselves. And so I'm happy to say that he is 100% on board. He thinks that this is an amazing lifestyle and (laughs) he, he loves it today, but to say he wasn't apprehensive would be a lie.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I I totally get that. And at the same time, I know that when we put out confidence and our spouses see that we feel strongly that something is going to work, or at least we have a hunch that this is our next right step. And we display that energy that really helps them get on board in an even bigger way, because no one's going to know what you're fully capable of, but you. And so it has to start from you displaying that.
1: Yes. Yes. And all of my wins... They may be wins to me, but they are like massive wins to him, right? Because he cannot imagine himself doing this. And so, you know, I, I'm super lucky to have his support. But also, I think one of the one of the coolest and deepest, most meaningful things for me is when, you know, I remember when I would sell one course or get one client, you know, I would think it was just great. And he would just think it was just, I mean, just the best thing that ever happens, because he really couldn't see it for himself.
0: Right. I love that. So let's go back to that period of time where you shifted out of corporate and started your company. So was there some sort of moment where you realized, I need to take the leap? I need to do this? Was there something that was a catalyst for that decision?
1: I knew I was going to work. So even when I left corporate, I knew I couldn't work in that space anymore. And the the real reason that I ended up leaving corporate was my kids were getting older. I think they were nine and five at the time. And I... We were paying someone so much money to take care of our kids after school. I was in an executive position, so I was working. I mean, the hours are insane. People say that as an entrepreneur, you never stop working. Well, as a chief of staff, <laughs> you never stop working either. So I was just spending less and less time with them. And i that's just not the legacy that I wanted for my family. That's not the legacy I wanted for myself. So when I stepped out, I really knew I was doing this um, to support the family, but I wasn't going to stop working. Like It's just not in me to not be valued in that way. And so I, the, the idea of not working never was never there, the idea of how I was going to do it, I was really just trusting that the right thing was going to come to me. And Emily, I had no idea I was going to get back into operations, I thought I was going to do something completely different. To tell you that today I am leading women and businesses to transformation through operations, it just never occurred to me five years ago. I really thought I was going to be equipping, you know, working women and helping them to navigate how to live a life, you know, full of legacy. Which is exactly why I started following you. I mean, you were really modeling that, even though you didn't have children and you, um, but you were living that legacy life that you had um, had envisioned for yourself, and you were taking the risk. And so I was surrounding myself by people like you. And learning from you guys and, and gaining courage and um, just seeing it be done was really, really important. And um, I thought that's exactly what I was going to do. I was, my, my plan was to be a mini Emily, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. once I really got into the heavy, you know, into the, the heavy lifting of building a business, it was so much more organic to leverage my natural skill set and not a trained skill set, if you will. So when I started feeling valued, by what came natural to me, which was sharing all of the things that I was basically helping friends and strangers and Facebook groups, build their businesses through like strategic mapping through things I didn't even see as valuable. I just saw them as, you know, helping out a friend. And so it wasn't until they started affirming, Hey, this is really unique. This is really special. You need to go in on this that I had, you know, the courage to say, huh, I guess I'll transition from helping corporate women or working women into building businesses.
0: I love that. And I'm so glad you're sharing your story here because so many people have all these talents and I think you just called them soft skills. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I've never heard that phrase before. Is that a corporate phrase?
1: Probably so. I spent a lot of
0: time,
1: I spent a lot of time in the learning and the, and the development space. So it's gotcha. really using those innate skills, those skills that you had when you look back at your eight year old self. You had a skill set that is transferable to your forty year old self. You just we just take for granted that that's who we are, and so that's one of the exercises that I kind of help people look at is like, what did you do when you were eight? <laughs> and when I was eight years old, I remember making lists, and you know. I was already in leadership positions at that point and it you know when you look back it's easy to connect the dots but when you're in it you cannot you know it's super hard so
0: I love that exercise. Everyone listening should definitely do that because that really illustrates what I was about to say in terms of people have all these innate skills or soft skills that they're not utilizing. And sometimes we try to fit ourselves into a box or we copy someone who has come before us, who we think is doing what we want to do. And I also started off doing more life coaching and then quickly realized that I needed to work with people who also wanted to take the action. Um, And I think it's so important that we do recognize all those skills that might have come from corporate, might have come from childhood, might have come from our education. But regardless, we have something to give within our business that that is already there. And I think we we make ourselves wrong for not using the degree or not staying in the job. But so much of that builds on itself and can be used in your company.
1: One hundred percent. That's what, you know, I, I don't even know what the stat is, but we know that, you know, so many of us go to college and get these degrees and we don't end up using them later on in life. And I believe that when you're finally in your zone, you're truly leveraging what it is that you were built to do. But so many of us won't take the risk or won't take the time to assess what it is that we should be doing. We don't listen to the to the affirmations that we're getting or the confirmations that we're getting from the people around us. And we neglect ourselves of really living a legacy life by by not doing that.
0: And like you said, you just thought, oh, like you took it for granted. You didn't realize that people actually needed these skill sets that you found so natural and so kind of common sense in your world. Mm -hmm. But then people started telling you, oh, you should be teaching it that you should be coaching on that. And I found the same thing. There were certain, even just certain phrases that I started using that were just natural phrases to me that really... Supported people in getting results that I never could have, you know, dreamt of. I never could have planned out. It just happened through being having that confirmation from my clients and seeing what was working.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, at the beginning of building your business, so you started helping all these people in the Facebook groups, Mm -hmm. they were getting a lot of free support from you. (laughs) So, what was the first thing that you created that you actually sold?
1: I was doing project management. So, I knew that that was a skill set. Clearly, I had, you know, the certifications, I had spent many years in corporate doing this for huge multimillion dollar projects. And when I started to see projects, not from the corporate perspective, but I was seeing these business owners around me, who were, you know, Two, three, four, ten steps ahead of me that were having events. So that was the very first thing that I saw was, oh my goodness, these gals are having events. They look like a hot mess. I know what's happening behind the scenes because I have supported hum- a huge business behind the scenes, right? I know the facade that is out there, but I know the mess behind behind the veil, if you will. And so I just I took a bold action. And I reached out to somebody who was, you know, mentoring me from afar, just watching her material. And I said, Hey, you know, I see that you have this project coming up. Do you see this event as a project? And if you do, would you be open to having a project manager? And so I was willing to do it for free, she ended up paying me and it truly changed everything about what I would do for, you know, for the rest of, you know, up until today. So I. I, I again it's kind of like that corporate story when I was applying and wasn't necessarily a perfect fit for this corporation. I, you know, I threw myself out there and I knew I was gonna, you know, I knew I was at risk of her saying no to me, but I looked at at this as a project and instead I just used the same skills that I did to manage multi-million dollar IT and human resource projects in the corporate space. I used the exact same methodology for, you know, for a a project that was as big to this small entrepreneur as it was to the corporate, you know, as any project is in the corporate space. But I just started to use the exact same methodology and became kind of, I, be, I became known as this project manager for online businesses. And there weren't that many people who were skilled in doing this. A lot of people have, you know, they have the the life experience as a project manager, but they weren't leveraging the real methodology, the trained methodology. And so I really melded the two of those things to come together and support events. Before you knew it, I was supporting websites and brand, like all sorts of different projects that happen because you know, creating new revenue streams is another project. And so the projects are endless. Once I got in there, started making, you know, significant changes, releasing the burden of the CEO or the business owner in the day to day administration for these projects, they actually enjoyed the projects so much more, because they weren't stressed. And you know, I mean, we we could talk endlessly about the amount of stress that that, you know, is added to business owners and entrepreneurs just through, you know, through the journey of of doing of being an entrepreneur. And so they felt immediate relief, I was in my zone, because I was able to manage people, I was managing projects, I was managing, managing the communication, all of a sudden, I had come back to all the things that make me really, really feel valued on both sides. And so um, that that's where I started. That's really when I left corporate and began to get footing in the online space was really leveraging what I had already done, what I was already great at, what I was born to do, which is project management.
0: That's awesome. And you mentioned different revenue streams. So I imagine since there's only one of you, that could only take you so far because you could only take on so many projects yourself, so many companies, so many businesses. Mm -hmm. And so what was next for you in terms of what you offered?
1: Right. And so that's, that's so good. And I have always, since I started this, Emily, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to build a big team because I came from corporate where I had, you know, dozens and dozens of people reporting to me. I mean, I have managed in an executive level over hundreds of people. I've been responsible for developing one, more than a hundred people at one time. And I, I knew that that was, you know, the weight of that was really, really big. But I loved the idea of being able to manage these projects in a much different space. So I totally forgot the question,
0: Emily. That's okay. I'll redo it. Okay. Sorry. So I'd imagine, Natalie, that at some point you realize there's only one of you. And so you can't just keep taking on projects and companies and businesses. You want to create more revenue streams for yourself. So I'm curious to know what was next for you and your company.
1: Yes. So I had come from corporate where I had managed lots and lots of people, hundreds of people, been responsible for developing a hundred, you know, more than a hundred people at one time. And so the idea now that I was on my own was a little bit scary to think of, Oh, I'm going to bring people in and help them do what I am doing or help these business owners through, you know, subcontracting or whatnot. So I went through and I flirted with all the different models that are out there. And I really had to settle again back on what my vision was for myself. And so I have really confined myself to being a very lean operation. Because I'm at a place in my life, I've got teenagers, my life is really busy. And I didn't want the responsibility and I still don't today want the responsibility of having a really big team. So it caused me to look inside. And what you know, what was it that people were finding so valuable? So that I created my very first course and it didn't go gangbusters. I'm not going to, I definitely am going to be super transparent with you guys. It didn't go like gangbusters, but what I was getting was very, like, I realized that delivering this one-to-one and what I'm talking about is what I call my strategic mapping model. It's a trademark proprietary system of um, how I work with my clients. And I created that first as a course. And then I realized that the best way for me to do this was in one to one administration. So instead of staying in businesses and doing project after project, I was now delivering um, on a quarterly basis, I was doing the strategic mapping model. And it was, I mean, it was totally changing businesses, these gals and these people that I'd partner with who are typically more visionary, you know, very much like you and James can see specifically you can see visions and can can really get there. they need people to come in and help them do this and so there's always a breakdown in the visionary and the person who gets it done and so I was kind of that medium who was coming in to help them identify to help the visionary get these ideas and thoughts out of their head and turn it into something that was actually doable and so um, once I realized that I had a significant value there, I kept thinking and I spent a year, thinking how am I going to multiply myself like the course the course idea wasn't really working for the avatar that I was working with which were these you know multiple six seven and eight figure entrepreneurs like sitting down to doing a course wasn't really gonna do it but I knew I didn't have enough time in myself to sit down with them you know and I didn't want to build a business just on that one stream of, of revenue for myself and I also didn't want a big team and so when I really focus on multiply multiply multiply, what happened for me was like, ooh, I can either go agency, which I just got through telling you, I wasn't really excited about having a big team, or I could create something where I could have, you know, I could impart the knowledge with other people to be able to do this. And so that's what led me to this, to creating a certification for director of operations.
0: So amazing. So again, you were following those breadcrumbs and you were giving yourself permission to say, hey, I don't want to do this. And hey, yes, I want to do this. And how does that look? How does that fit within this company? Um, and then you created the certification. So can you tell us a little bit about the certification?
1: Yes, yeah, so the certification. I mean, I am more in my zone right now than I have ever been, and I'm just so grateful for the path to get here. I'm so grateful for having the vision and 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 having those exercises to to truly guide me here. But the director of operations is exactly what I was doing in these businesses when I was doing one-to-one service work. So I was partnering with businesses and really pulling apart their operations looking and helping them develop their visions. And then I am the one that's responsible for the operations, the day-to-day management of helping the entrepreneur reach that vision. And so the vision is really big. It's got to be broken down. It's a lot of times there's many steps and many dependencies to get to that point. And so I really I spent another year breaking down everything that I was doing in my clients' businesses. And I created, you know, these 10 modules I created a certification where someone has to come and they have to apply. It's not a course. There have, they have to be a certain, um, there's some criteria that is in place for them to have to go through because I, I want this to be something that I feel good about placing them. These, these certified director of operations, I want them, I want to feel confident when I'm placing them with these you know multiple six, seven and eight figure entrepreneurs that come to me looking for help.
0: I love that. And I can personally speak to how incredible the work is that you do in the world. So I was referred to you by someone else who we were working with. She said she followed along with your work and you were the go-to person. And so we got connected and got to talking about what we needed in our company. And we actually were able to hire one of the people who had gone through your certification program. And I have to say that you the group that you have and the women that come your way to be certified are all absolutely incredible. And the added benefit is having you and your guidance and you being along for the whole process. So when we actually had our interviews and we were trying to pick the right candidate, having you as essentially our coach and our uh, person in our back pocket, giving us information and supporting us and even how to interview people and what to look for and who would be the right fit. I mean, that was invaluable. And I think that, I mean, to be honest, you need to be selling that on its own.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So it's included in the director of operations certification, but, you know, that's just for the director of operations. So it's really two, it's two parts. It's facing two different ways. I'm training other people how to use my exact hiring system, but on the other side for the entrepreneurs out there that are trying to build their businesses, I'm still doing this in a very, you know, tailored one-to-one way because I'm still very, honestly, I'm really attached to the outcome. I never, you know, I cause people to slow down when they really want to hire fast. I know that that's what we want to do. So it's innate for us to fill the gap and, and try to solve the problem really quickly. I was listening to your episode with Tasha a couple episodes back. And I remember her saying that, you know, some of the biggest mistakes that we make is, is hiring fast. And so I cause people to really look at this as a project, like it goes back to the project management stuff. It I'm also leveraging all those years in corporate, when I was hiring, I was not fulfilled, like, but I I took the best parts of that experience. And I've created a, another templated service where I can help people. And part of this is a as a project. But then the other part which you and I and and you me and James connected on was just the real human side of like, really understanding where it is that you want to go. And then finding the right person and not settling for someone who's not going to get you to that place. Because there are a lot of great people in this world, I, I truly believe that most people are great. But not all these great people are going to be the perfect fit for your business. And so I like the personal side of you know, making sure that Emily and James find the right person that's going to give them, you know, a long, there, there's not going to be turnover, we're going to really get somebody who matches on a values level, and not just on the skill level. And so I, I loved partnering with you guys to find this person. And um, just I, I love what I'm doing. Like, I really feel like it all led to this. And One part of me is training people. And the other part of me is helping people find these trained professionals. And even if they're not in my group, I mean, I don't have all the people in the world in this group. If, if they're not in, if what you need is not inside of my, you know, certified director of operations, we're going to find them elsewhere.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I love that you're so committed to us just finding the right person, And so I'm curious to know a little bit about, you know, you've been in the corporate space. I was never in the corporate space. I've always worked for small businesses before I worked for myself. And so, what do you see as the top kind of mistakes that entrepreneurs make, especially those of us who are super visionary? Um, And I'll just speak for myself first and foremost. The one mistake that I, or the one regret I have, I should say, is not hiring quick enough. And I don't mean like fast, like doing it in lightning mm-hmm. speed. but I mean, at the stages of my business, I, I mean, I should have hired a director of operations like five years ago. I keep telling the person we hired <laughs> that exact thing. And so would you say that that's one of the top issues that entrepreneurs and visionaries have is is hiring too slowly?
1: You know, of course, I think it's it's one of those things that you don't know until you do it. But honestly, Emily, I think the biggest problem, right in entrepreneurship is really around financial acumen and understanding what you need what you take home i think that that is the biggest part and that definitely leads into feeling confident in growing your team really if you focus i know that if we focus on our finances we focus on delivering a product we focus on you know really building in revenue streams and looking at your profit margins you will you will trust yourself to hire the number one reason we don't hire is because we get we feel like we don't trust ourselves, we don't trust the ability to bring in the revenue, you don't see a pattern here, because you've never taken the time to look at what it is that you're bringing in, or how you can optimize that. So you don't feel like, yes, I'm ready to to bring this on, we feel the weight of, oh, my goodness, if this if this ship sinks, I'm not going to be able to pay this director of operations or this, you know, assistant, and now I feel responsible for more than just me. It's soup it's psychological. Hiring is all psychological, but I believe that the underlying basis here is understanding the business finances. And a lot of us who get into business, we don't come from a true business background. We came into this with a passion. We came into this because we had, you know, we had a dream for ourselves. We took the risk, but we don't. I don't believe that finances and accounting really are the backbone of a lot of the visionaries out there.
0: And so how do you think people could move towards being stronger and more confident in their finances? Someone who has a business, they've been the visionary, they're moving forward, and now they're recognizing, listening to this, oh, wait, I don't have a handle on that. And that is what's causing the lack of confidence. What are a few things they can do to really jumpstart that?
1: Right. Right. So I believe that if you can, if you don't have a bookkeeper, you are the bookkeeper. And the biggest mistake that happens in the beginning of business is you just don't track anything. And so you don't need an accountant. You don't need a fancy CPA. You don't need, you don't even need a bookkeeper. You need to have a running list of your expenses And your revenue, like it doesn't have to be I mean, I did mine in a Google spreadsheet for years. So it doesn't have to you don't even have to have a person to do this. You just need to be aware. So the first thing is just tracking this. And the second thing, which sounds crazy, is actually looking at it. I can't tell you the level of businesses that I have come into, and have watched these gals and guys just never even they completely ignore their finances, because they have enough right now. And that's okay. The problem is, when you're ready to to up level, it's always nice to go back and see your successes and see your opportunities. And I tend and I think all operators come into businesses. And one of the quickest wins that we can do is really optimize their revenue streams and also optimize or reduce their expenses so that they're showing a, you know, they're showing better profit every single month, which in turn, you know, if you put it all together, it helps them to understand how they're paying us. Like that's the return on the investment and bringing in a high level operator into your business.
0: Totally. And it's just, I mean, you know, I teach money mindset. It's my mm-hmm. favorite topic. And it's the same thing. Like money is your coach in so many ways. And yet so often we have blinders on and we just don't want to look. It's like that scary movie. We're looking through our hands, not wanting to look at our bank account. And sometimes that is because we already have enough right now. But other times it's the opposite. We feel like we're nervous about how much money is in the bank, how much we're spending. I know I hear from a lot of entrepreneurs. I feel like I'm just bleeding money. It's always, Just going out, like, how do I reconcile with that? How will I ever have money for um, a team member? And I think a lot of it is also money mindset around um, developing the trust within yourself and knowing that money is your coach inviting you to go to the next level. I know for me, as we brought on more team members, that's really inspiring for me because not only can I be more in my zone of genius, I also get the motivation of like, hey, there's a purpose for this money. It has to come in because I have these people who I refuse not to pay because that would not be an integrity. And so when there is a purpose for the money there there becomes more motivation and more creativity and oftentimes you move forward in your company in a way that you wouldn't otherwise because the motivation is now there.
1: Yes 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 <laughs> I think we can just put you just you know it when you see somebody who's just got their head in the sand and refuses to look at finances it's you know it's it's poison it's really poison it's poison in your mindset it's also poison in the trajectory of success for your
0: business. Totally. So will you tell us a little bit about your director of operations certification in terms of what is it the, what is the, let me ask a different question. What is the role that the director of operation plays when they come into someone else's company?
1: Right. So the director of operations joins and partners at a high level. So you can look at this. I mean, I call it a director of operations on purpose. It's meant to be a leadership position. It's not it's not an entry level position. So any director of operations has got to have experience and the one of the cool things is they don't need to be experienced in the particular, you know, industry that you are in. They need to be excellent and proficient at, you know, running operations for another business. And so when they come in, I really encourage them to use and they all will use the strategic mapping model and to get on level with that CEO, the new partner that they're going to be representing, and allow you what it allows the strategic mapping model allows you to step in to Emily and James business, right? It allows you to come in to understand what their visions are, how big it is, what you know what the, what their ideas are right now and I think a lot of times when we walk into businesses, we are not able to get that grand scope and it leads to confusion, it leads to a lot of communication breakdown, et cetera. so they will come in and understand where it is that you're going and then understand how I mean you're you learn so much about the business and the person behind the business when you go through this because you're taking it all in and you're understanding where you fit, you're also learning, their level of leadership. And everyone's different. There's no right or wrong to me. But some people are, you know, micromanagers, some people are macromanagers, some people are going to want to stay in the day to day, some people are are going to want to completely not want to manage people. And so the director of operations comes in to under the first thing they're going to do is understand where you want to go. And then they're going to leverage the skill sets of project management of prioritization, and really managing the team so that the CEO and the leader of the business is able to elevate themselves into a place of creating content, creating strategic relationships, and doing what it takes to build their brand all while the back office or the things that happen on a day-to-day basis are being managed by the director of operations. The director of operations isn't the person who's actually writing the sales copy or creating the website. They may have those skills, but a director of operations is literally meant to be the director between the CEO and the team that is actually implementing. They are the, the, the official project manager, making sure that everything happens to reach that vision that that the that the visionary has set for the business. And so they come in. And the easiest way to look at this is to manage the team, the people, the processes and the projects to make sure this gets done. Number one, it gets done on time under budget, but it also is marching towards the idea of uh, accomplishing the vision. So that's how we measure ourselves and our worth in a business is how close are we able to get to that vision in a shorter time period.
0: Yeah. And I have to say, Megan, who we hired through you has been absolutely phenomenal in terms of helping me get clear on the vision and actually seeing the vision before I even explained it to her, which I think is really amazing. I'm not sure if everyone has that skill set, but she came into our company and very quickly was like, okay, well, I imagine this is where you want to go. And this is where you see yourself. And I was like, yes, you are spot on. Like, How did you already know that? And it was really exciting to me as the visionary, surprise, surprise, that we got to spend so much time focused on the vision and getting clear about when we're going to pivot, what it looks like, what the the goals are for five years, 10 years down the road. Um, because I do feel like we're still playing in a, in a, in a role or playing it safe to a certain extent. And I see so much more for our company. I see so much more for myself as um, a personal brand, for James as a personal brand. And so we do have huge visions and to have someone on board who really gets that. And then also, of course, gets the day to day and gets the, the the projects that are currently moving the needle for us and recognizes that of course those are also super important it's amazing to have that combination and to also feel like you're no longer alone in the running of the company
1: oh yes i mean that partnership is everything and that's why i believe that this is like people come to they want a director of operations kind of in that pre-scaling phase but if you truly want to scale your business the partnership of a director of operations it is i'm i don't want to sell like snake oil here but it is the magic behind it it allows the visionary someone like you emily to be able to state the vision and trust if you've got the right partnership to trust that you're going to take the right actions that the right people are going to be on the bus to actually make these things happen for yourself so that you can continue to be in that visionary state you don't have to revert to a to a state that isn't your natural place which is the management of the day-to-day, creating the relationships with the team. Like that is not who most visionaries want to be, but we find that's how we build our businesses is by trying to be this kind of Jekyll and Hyde, which is not bad, like we all do it. And I consider that bootstrapping, but once you can be in a place where you can truly allow someone to partner with you, you take care of the visionary, they take care of the day-to-day, it'll elevate your brand, your business, your life, your legacy, all of those things.
0: Yeah. And for us, it wasn't an easy decision in the sense like everyone thinks that you just have the money under the mattress for your next level. And for us, it was a real financial consideration. Like, can we afford to do this? And we ultimately realized we can't not afford to do it. Like we have to make this happen if we want to go to the next level. And now that we've done it, it's like, there's no turning back. I told Megan, I would like prostitute myself out to keep her. (laughs) I'm totally joking, by the way. But like, that's the, that's the extent of like the difference that this has made in our company and all of our team, you know, we, we try and do everything on our own. We try and learn all the skills and we try and be the manager. And like, ultimately we get to the point where we're like, this is not working and this is not in service to the vision. And if the vision is so big and you don't have the people, like you said, on the bus to get you there, then what are you actually doing? We're just staying stuck.
1: Yep. Yep. I just love that it allows visionaries to be in their zone. And yeah. it's like, it's fuel to the rocket ship. I believe, you know, you can do what you do best and she's doing what she does best. So both of you guys are in a place of massive alignment and it's just, it's a real values exchange. I I, I cannot wait to see what I heart my life looks like in six, 12, 18 months from now. Totally.
0: Yeah. And maybe I'll have, I'll get more sleep. <laughs>
1: <Sorry>. <laughs> I bet you will.
0: <laughs> yeah. So in terms, I can totally tell that you are in your zone of genius. I can tell that you are um, just thrilled with where your company is at right now. What is the next step for you, though?
1: I am, you know, it is my... Bigger mission to make sure my big vision, actually, I'll share that with you guys, is that I have 500 certified director of operations by 2025, and so doing everything I can to get in front of people who need these this partnership is really the biggest thing for me. And so I, you know, I am, I'll say, blessed, and I love speaking and I love getting in front of people, and so I'm really focused on the visibility of the profession. I am. One, I just will not do this outside of integrity. And so I'm going to make sure the right people come in. But I'm also going to make sure that I continue to sell the profession and, and share with, with others what this profession can do for them. And I I just I do not want to lose focus of that and let greed, money, you know, anything else kind of get in the way of the quality of the profession. I really feel like I'm going to be a conduit for a ton of women, 500 lives and, and using natural skill sets to to help on both sides, not only the financial freedom. And the liberty of being in your zone, but also for businesses like yours, Emily, to where I can come in and, and show you that there is another way of doing this, that there is more sleep, there is more financial freedom that lies for you as well.
0: Totally. I love that. And I'm not sure if you know, but we actually hired one of your other um, certified partners. I'm not sure if that's what you call them, but that's what I'm calling them. Certified operators. And um, she's one of the mentors in our mastermind for our clients. So I can totally vouch for the fact that you obviously are an integrity in bringing in the right type of people, um, serving them, certifying them, and then sending them out into the world to help all of us who need it.
1: Yes. I love I didn't know that. That is awesome.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So one of the final questions I want to ask you is something I ask all of our guests. I'm curious to know what you would say to our listeners. What's one way that they can create a life that's better than their dreams?
1: Take this, take the time, do the exercise that we talked about earlier, really start to understand what your vision looks like. And, you know, there's a lot of different prompts out there, but just like I talked about in this episode, really understanding what it is. Imagine close your eyes, get outside, go somewhere, take a trip, do something bigger. Gets it really changed for me when I got outside of my house. Um, this was too safe for me, and I really needed to be in a place of real freedom, experiencing um, and, and painting the picture of what it could be for yourself. And this doesn't have to just be, you know, I'm not just talking entrepreneurship at this point. I'm talking just really to live the biggest, best life for yourself requires you to dream it and to see it first. You won't know if you're, if you're marching forward in the right path, if you never cast the vision for it. And so number one thing, get out there, create a vision and do it. And once you master it for your, it's usually easier to do it for your personal life, maybe your family, maybe your health, and then get into the business side. If that's, you know, if that's something that represents who you are I assume it is if you're listening here, but, um, I, I believe that the vision is the base of, of living a fantastic life and outside of everything else. That's what I want for the people that are closest to me.
0: Love it. And I will say that one of your podcast episodes, episode four, I believe it is, you had a freebie where people could download, um, a PDF yeah. worksheet that helps them with their visioning. Yeah. Would you be willing to share that link with our audience?
1: I love it. Yeah. So if you go to the ops authority, which is the name of my business, but go to the opsauthority.com forward slash mission you'll be able to download that there. But it walks you through mission, vision, and values. And that's really the core of all of my work. I know I sell operations, but I'm I'm not able to build my own business or partner with somebody else without knowing what their mission and vision are. And actually in the hiring phase too, like I know you and I talked about that, like what are your values? I need to know values because I cannot match you with somebody who doesn't have, who doesn't share the same values. That's been a big, um, it's a big it's a it's just one of the easiest ways that I can be successful in matching folks.
0: Yeah, just like any other relationship. Yeah. It's Megan's my work wife now, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Natalie. I know that this episode is gonna serve so many people in many, many ways from understanding the need to be bold in our lives and sell ourselves and sell all, all of our amazing skills to following our heart visioning following those dreams and then obviously getting that operator in your business getting the support that you need being clear on the the mission and the values all of it has been absolutely amazing so thank you so much for your time I hope you loved today's episode. Natalie is someone special and definitely someone to watch in the online space. I know she's truly just getting started and she's going to change the course for so many business owners. And I want to encourage you to download that freebie that she recommended. We'll definitely post it in the show notes. But I just wanted to share that personally, I've gone through the exercise and it helped me get so clear on my mission and vision. And I actually shared that exercise with my coach. And he said that he wished all of his clients had come to him with all of that figured out. So trust me, it's going to be a game changer for you. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the I Heart My Life show. For more inspiration, success tips, and ways to achieve your life and business goals, definitely follow me on Facebook and Instagram on I Heart My Life now. See you next time.